0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler I am Conor Today is debates down south. We've got a very, very special debate to dig into. One that we've wanted to dig into for a while. Should Darren McFadden have won a Heisman Trophy? Marlar, initial. Need your connection. Yep, reaction. and a pod. Oh. Did you see the New York Times article that was, uh, what should, it was like, what should you do to, um, what should you do, or should you go out with coronavirus and the entire article was just no <laughs> yeah that it was an sense. opinion piece yeah the entire shortest piece in the history of New York Times. Um, I think so. yeah we'll,
1: and we'll get into it obviously and it's it's a hard it, it's I think it's more difficult to answer than, than we initially would have thought.
0: I think when you initially look at that question, a lot of people will automatically say yes. Yeah, and I'm not here to say that that's wrong. But if you are going to say yes to that question, you have to look at each year specifically and point to here's why he was robbed. Here's what, how we looked at this wrong, and here's how we would look at this in 2020. So that is what we're going to try and do today. And I'm gonna I, I wanted to preface this whole discussion by not just focusing on 2006 or focusing on 2007, and instead digging into both cases. So yeah. we're going to look at some stuff with Troy Smith when Troy Smith won it over McFadden in two thousand six, and we're going to look at why Tim Tebow won it over McFadden in two thousand seven, which if you ask a certain group of Arkansas fans, they will say, That'd you know, welcome. you know, you probably should have just given him both Heisman's. And there's, That's a there's lot. It's a lot. There is an argument to be made for it. So we are going to hopefully get some clarity on this discussion. And for anybody that has just answered that question, yes, by default over the years, hopefully today we'll give you more reasons and, you know, save you some research that you have to do because we already did it for you. So that's the good thing.
1: And, you know, honestly, save you the research because what happened to me last night, and I knew it was going to happen, as soon as I started looking up Troy Smith's stats.
0: Oh, you got mad.
1: I got real mad. I got real mad because like, I, I feel like... And we'll get into, I think the way I'm gonna have to go about this is explaining, mainly to myself so I can calm down, <laughs> why, like understanding why he didn't win. Now, I don't understand how the margin he lost by, that will never make sense to me. It, like Troy Smith is gonna be echoed in the same names with our same uh, breath as Joe Burrow in terms of like landslide Heisman victories. Think about that.
0: So is Marcus Mariota as well, which... Well, he had an incredible season, though. But he was also in one of the greatest Heisman classes of all time, as we talked about last week as well. So, yes, I I think that there uh, there are some very interesting things that we need to look at with Troy Smith, why the debate was shaped the way that it was. But before we do just that, Marler, you, my friend, had a little bit of success over the weekend. Got a late text from you at what, like, 11.30 Eleven thirty last night. Um, some poker success. It looked like. I
1: here's the thing, Connor. I still got it. I still got it. I haven't played since college. I told you it's gonna take a minute just to knock the dust off. Won won my first tournament last night. Also Subscribe. made several final tables. It's been a lot of fun. There's no sports right now. There was ESP and the Ocho uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. but if you are looking for something fun, entertaining, stock market's down. You know it's not down. My poker skills. Get your poker skills going. Go to betonline.ag today uh, and go play. You can play with me if you want. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's it's the easiest way to deposit, easiest way to cash out. All the above uh, at betonline.ag. They make everything as simple as possible for you. So while we don't have any sports right now, while we're in this kind of lull, go entertain yourself with some internet sports. That's not a thing. That's not a thing at all.
0: That's a thing. That's kind of a thing. True story. I kid you not. 2006... Michigan Ohio State the game of the century it was billed as Michigan number two team in the country Ohio State number one team in the country a certain Troy Smith a very prominent figure in this game I was at a buddy's house playing poker while watching this game it was on Saturday afternoon I was playing poker all day we were watching the game and playing cards we were doing what high school seniors do or high school juniors do I was a junior at the time yeah that makes sense um, but, yeah, so I remember watching that game, and I think I was, it was a tournament, so I was knocked out early, so I watched a lot more of the game closer as well. And I remember thinking to myself, yeah, Troy Smith just locked up the Heisman. What he just did against Michigan, unbelievable. I remember thinking then, what he did then, to me, stood out. And to voters, it set up to be just a landslide, lock it in vote I don't know the percentage of voters that voted after that game. But remember, that game was November 28th. No, it it was
1: November 18th.
0: Or uh, 18th. 18th, They didn't have a bye week that season. They didn't have a bye week. And McFadden played in two more games before the Heisman Trophy came out, which is wild to think about. But there were probably so many people that just decided, you know what? I just watched Troy Smith dominate the game of the century that is my Heisman Trophy winner, and it set up him to win in the, the second largest margin of victory ever. It was second since uh, since OJ, or you know, most lopsided since OJ. He got 91.6% of the first-place votes, which you know was the most until Joe Burrow, of course, broke it this past year. 801 first-place votes. McFadden only got 45. Marler, did I just make you really mad by saying all those things?
1: So, like... Uh... I'm trying to think of the best way to attack this because I I was screaming this at the top of my lungs in 2006 as a 20-year-old in Milledgeville watching college football, watching the whole season. And admittedly at the time, I was watching obviously more SEC football. I I thought, I'm going to tell you why that was probably not the case. And I think this is why Troy Smith won the Heisman. So that Michigan game, I'm so frustrated with how this all turned out for a number of reasons because you can look at it and be like, "Well, he had he never lost it. He had a Heisman moment, I guess, against Michigan. We can call that the Heisman moment, I guess, the last game." Of the he season. was
0: really good that day. Like, go back. Like the video was. You know, there there are videos on YouTube, of course, of what he did: 316 passing yards, four touchdown passes, 71% passing. Was really good in a one versus two matchup to close the regular season, going into right. the Heisman stuff.
1: And so, and, and the reason why it was such a huge huge deal and the reason why it, it made us all think like oh man this guy's legit like he he's done everything right the entire season like like cuz to his credit he he had hardly any interceptions he was like like he was, I don't want to say game manager but he was like a game manager plus he was, he was much game manager
0: 30 to 5 td to int ratio pre heisman which yeah. is
1: great so but this this was locked up in september and the reason why, and this is what, like, people, people get, like, the SEC crap because, like, the SEC bias. And they, you know, like, Bama especially, like, they get, like, the benefit of the doubt. Like, sometimes the rankings, and people always want to make these assumptions or those accusations. This is the best example of that ever happening for any team, any conference ever in the Big Ten this season. Ohio State came into the season uh, preseason ranked number one in the AP, coaches, yep. uh, SI, and in, in, uh, what do you call it, um, ESP in the magazine, all of it. They played at number two Texas on the road in the second game of the, the season. And, and by the way, Troy Smith already had, I, I had never heard Troy Smith until this season. Troy Smith was oh, he's already, good the year
0: before.
1: Yeah, he, he had like, it was like, I think it was like the exact same stat line as Joe Burrow. He had like 16 touchdowns and five picks. He actually anyway. ran the
0: year before. He didn't right. run as a senior, yeah.
1: So he comes in, he has the third best odds on the Heisman of anyone in the country, nine to one. And game two is against Texas, number two Texas on the road. They went 24-7, defending national champs, and he has like 269 yards, two touchdowns. Nice. It's pretty much wrapped up. Then he plays two more ranked teams in September, right? Penn State and Iowa. Beats them both. Now, the reason why I say it was wrapped up is because of this. In September, he had five games. They went 5-0. They went 3-0 and against ranked teams and won by 20 points per game. That was the average margin of victory in those games. He had 12 touchdowns and two interceptions in, in those, those five games. College game day was at every single one of those ranked opponents, or uh, those games against ranked opponents, and they had the primetime national ABC game twice. So for all intents and purposes, this was over, over from the get-go.
0: It was especially over after this game of the century where you had an overwhelming feeling that Troy Smith was the best player on a team no. that was, no, you there didn't. was, a, there was an overwhelming feeling at the time from those around the program, for those who spoke even within Ohio state. And if you saw some of the quotes that came out after that Michigan game, where you had guys like Ted Ginn and Jim Trestle, who were saying he is without question, the best player in the country. And they had this, this, this belief that he was such a great leader and that was one of the reasons that he won this award and why he was such an obvious choice for it. The problem with going with that logic is that using team success, and this is something we're going to get into a lot in today's pod, is not always the best qualifier. It has to matter to a certain extent, but it is not always the best qualifier for determining a Heisman Trophy winner because what it did is ignore the fact that that Michigan game And I know you have this stat. We both had this stat. We were ready to go with it. Ignore the fact that Troy Smith's first 300-passing yard game of the year came against Michigan. He's not a running quarterback. He had 233 rushing yards going into the Heisman voting, and his first 300-yard passing game came in the regular season finale.
1: Okay, and so let's go. Let's go back for a second here and talk about this Michigan thing because I don't think people remember how big of a deal that was and how much of a sham that was. Because, so if you remember, the only reason why Michigan was ever ranked that high, Michigan played one ranked team besides Ohio State the entire season.
0: It's a very top-heavy league that year. Yep.
1: Sure, yeah, like it always is. So they <laughs> they played uh, Notre Dame, who was ranked number two in week three. They beat them forty-seven to twenty-one like beat him like a drum. That's yep. Brady Quinn was also, he was the uh, preseason Heisman front runner. So they beat them, they jump into the top 10. And then by, I think October 15th, they're number two in the country for the rest of the year. And it was, it was, everyone was so convinced but like, you know, that they were, they were the second best team. Ohio State was the best team. And, and, and like w- what we've said before the season started, that was right. That was right. They were so convinced that Michigan, after that, that game of the century, Michigan didn't drop. They didn't drop in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. They didn't drop in the BCS poll. They played one ranked team all season. Then they played Ohio State. So you go to like looking at Troy Smith's numbers. Yeah, he had a huge day. Um, you know, against Michigan. Before that, I mean, 2,500 passing yards, not great. It was the least amount of passing yards by any quarterback that won the Heisman since Vinny Testaverde in 1986. My issue is not just 300 yards in that one game. My issue is the fact that he completed over 20 passes in a game, just twice. He Do you have any idea how many 200-yard passing games he had? The best, the, country, e- the best player in the country? Six. The best player in the country had half of his games had under 200 yards passing.
0: There are some, before we get into McFadden, one last thing that I want to hit on with Troy Smith and, and why this has become such a debate the performance that he had in the national championship, obviously that happens after the Heisman voting. No. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't go into, you know, like, oh, we, sh- we should have retroactively given the Heisman to McFadden. I, I hate, we talked about that with, uh, you know, the McFadden, Champion, Derrick yeah. Henry thing as well. I don't like all of a sudden factoring that into, you know, should this player have won the Heisman. But what it does sometimes, and this is the good that it can do, is it makes us take a step back and go, wait, Maybe this player wasn't quite as good as I thought they were and at least makes us go back and look at, all right, should this have been a closer race instead of just handing it to Troy Smith? So here's here's what what I think needs to be brought up here because the numbers and how they have aged over the course of time are the biggest thing working against Troy Smith and working in favor of Daryl So So to ex- explain that.
1: So the reason I disagree with that is because the fact that, and this is what I was harping on all season that year, is the quality of competition he was he was facing was a joke. So he gets some in September, and after that Iowa game, so like he plays three teams that are ranked in the in the uh, first month of the season. Again, think about how big of a deal it is for Heisman Hype that early on to have college game day at all three of those events, to so have ABC nationally televised at primetime 8 p.m. for two of those three games, right? Never mind that. Iowa ended up going six and seven. Was nowhere near being ranked at the end of the year. The four teams they played that were ranked at the time, only two were ranked uh, by the end of the season. So they get after that Iowa game. The next six games they play before Michigan, the combined record of the opponents they played was twenty-five and forty-seven. Right, they were awful. They played no one. They played two two top fifty defenses. Um, they played. I'm sorry, two top thirty defenses. They played no one in the top 20. They played uh, one uh, I think scoring defense ranks inside the top 20. That was it.
0: The one thing I'll push back on that and say is when a team beats when a number one team beats the number two team in the country twice, that, that is, and I'm not saying that's fair necessarily and that Texas was totally deserving of that, but that does shape perception of that when Texas is oh, number two doubt. at the time and Michigan is number two at the time. So we weren't necessarily questioning Troy Smith saying, like, oh, you know, maybe Ohio State just kind of skated by and they, they really had this. No, kind they, of they like,
1: didn't skate by. They, they dominated teams all season long. My point is that the people around them, like their wins, that we'd be like, oh man, like they killed Michigan they beat Michigan. Well, Michigan wasn't that good. Like, why did we think Michigan was good? And on top, so again, with the Troy Smith stuff, Ohio State was a dominant team that year. They were a fantastic team.
0: Top five defense in the country as well. Good rushing attack. Very good they, things working outside of Troy Smith. Yeah.
1: Right. They had two receivers off that team drafted in the first round. And another draft in the fifth. So off just from his weapons he's throwing to, he has two first rounders. I I that's what's working against them.
0: Here's what's working for Darren McFadden. Because this year in which he is, a, he is a sophomore, and keep in mind this is before the SEC had this run of seven straight national titles from 2006 to 2012, Th- this year that McFadden has as a sophomore, where at the time of Heisman voting, 1,809 yards from scrimmage, 14 rushing touchdowns, those numbers have aged so much better over the course of time. He had 1,588 rushing yards that year at the time of the Heisman voting. How many running backs this past year ran for that amount of yards at the time of the Heisman voting? Seven, but only four came from power five. How many running backs in college football this past year had 14 rushing touchdowns at the time of the Heisman voting? 18, but only eight came from power five. Meanwhile, you look at Troy Smith. How many quarterbacks in college football threw for at least 2,507 yards this past year? Sixty-five. How many hit 30 touchdown passes? 16. How many quarterbacks ran for at least 233 yards? That's quarterbacks, not just running backs, quarterbacks. 74. So here's the issue. His case has aged like an avocado. It's horrible. It has gotten it has gotten bad because of the way that the game has changed. It has it has definitely helped Darren McFadden historically to look back now. When you look back on his numbers, when I first got to this job in 2015 and I was doing some stuff, you know, when I was doing all the stuff on our Big Ten site, Saturday Tradition, and I'm breaking down, like, whether or not Connor Cook and Christian Hackenberg have a chance to repeat a year like Troy Smith had, and I start looking at Troy Smith's numbers and I'm like, oh my gosh, why did he win so lopsided? Because like, it right. didn't feel that egregious at the time. He wasn't, in, even at the time, though, he wasn't in the top five in any major statistical category for quarterbacks in that 2006 season. What was
1: he in, completion percentage, like seventh?
0: Yeah, I think he was like seventh or eighth. He, he completed 67% of his passes that year. But it was just like, man, we got so, so consumed in him being the best player on the best team in the country, and therefore, he should win the Heisman Trophy.
1: Yeah, agreed. And so, and again, that's what bothers me, like, when we're, we're looking at that, he did nothing to lose it, but we gave it to him so early.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so that's early.
1: True. And to be honest, there's there's a lot of other players in this in this Heisman race that were I, I would not want not say more deserving, but like like there were so many things working in favor of Troy Smith, like the fact that they're the only undefeated team in the entire country when when the season ends, right? Yep. He's the quarterback of that of that team. All the hype going into the season, like that, could not have helped him more. And I'm telling you, my my biggest hypothesis on this, or or findings of this whole thing it has everything to do with like how the media like kind of shaped what they thought the season was going to be at at the beginning like in the preseason and in Mm -hmm. september and then also the fact how much how much face time he got with the national fan base like with the national fans like on on abc so when you like break down three of three of uh mcfadden's games weren't even televised it's crazy. What a think time. Think about that. What a time. I mean, like, two of his last six games were not televised. And and you look at, like, Troy Smith, who has 12 games, eight of them on ABC. I think, like, two of the other ones are on ESPN. Like, they, they were at like, 3.30 or 8 p.m. on ABC, eight out of 12 games. They, they, they closed out their last four games of the year with four straight games on ABC in front of a national televised audience. And those Jeez. the teams they played, besides Michigan, were a combined eight and 16. I'm sorry. Yeah, eight and 16. I think I'm probably
0: up on that. Another thing working against Darren McFadden, the fact that zero sophomores to that point had ever won the Heisman Trophy, a crazy thing to think about in a time that wasn't that long ago. Meanwhile, after that, we find out that the next three winners were all sophomores, six of the next 13 since that time were sophomores. Speaking of sophomores who won the Heisman Trophy, let's look at the 2007 case and why that was a debate then why it's a debate now because tim tebow became the first sophomore ever to win the heisman trophy and he beat mcfadden who once again came in second but unlike with troy smith this was a very very close race and it came down to tebow winning by 254 total votes but if you combine the first and second place votes tebow at 691 compared to 646 for mcfadden a really really interesting debate that I think it's surprising to see that this one was so much closer than what we saw play out with McFadden and Troy Smith.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Troy Smith and, and McFadden was was a lot easier to kind of diagnose. Like, it's, it's honestly, if you look at it, it's almost more of a surprise that he finished second ahead of Brady Quinn mm. and, and some of these like national names because he came. Like, they weren't ranked until like the fifth or sixth week of the season. Nobody was paying attention to Arkansas, I, and nobody really like. In the rankings, like in like you know, they only had one game on uh, on CBS that year from uh, the CBS game of the week. They had one game at three thirty on Saturday. The they, LSU know, game, right? No, that was on Friday at two thirty. So they they also they beat Auburn, who was ranked number two in the country at the time. Even that was a twelve o'clock start. Which um. so they they were just you know I, I feel like he they kind of had a a. Unfair, you know, just a disadvantage against some of these like national powers and brands and like the the blue bloods that usually have it. So going into 2007, you could just see this coming a mile away with Tebow because they, people were so Vern, Gary, everyone in the sec. So excited for Tebow, like him coming in, you know, on short yard situations, pumping up the crowd as a freshman, they win the national championship that next year. I I felt like, and, and the media and the, and the polls obviously did too, that, they were they were the best team in the country. Like they were probably going to be the best team in the country if they could just you know figure it out. And
0: Florida in two thousand seven, are you saying?
1: Yeah, in two thousand seven, they were and six
0: to start off the year.
1: They they never they never dropped out of the top twenty five the entire year, despite right? the fact
0: that they were five and three. Yeah,
1: yeah, they were actually five and three and still in the they're still ranked eighteenth. They were the only three loss team in the top ten and still ranked ahead of Auburn who beat them.
0: They loved Florida and I don't want to say that it was some sort of like media narrative to give Tebow the Heisman, though even watching back and we did our 2007, it just meant more with Tebow in Death Valley and even early in the year, you just felt like this was really starting to pick up some steam and what he was doing was special. The finish that he had to the year made his case for him and why this was such a fascinating debate at the time, Tebow hits this and I think why it's still a fascinating debate in these Two things have aged really well. Tebow hits the 50-touchdown mark. He joined the 2020 club. Most rushing touchdowns ever by you know by a, an SEC player, I believe it was, not just an SEC quarterback, um, pre-Heisman, all that stuff. And then meanwhile, McFadden actually had more than 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns, which was something that even Herschel Walker, I know Herschel only had 11 games and, and McFadden had 12, even Herschel didn't even do. Like this the The year that he had was even better than what he did in two thousand six, and so you know McFadden was the guy who came in, you know, on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and he was he was pegged from by Sports Illustrated as the number one overall pick in the following year's draft, and that was kind of the expectation that he was the man. I mean, he was the runner up for the Heisman for Troy Smith, and there are a lot of people that are like, "Whoa, this this kid is going to be really, really special," and then Tebow does what he does, and he hits these these marks. right before the Heisman if he had been on the cusp of those maybe it's a different discussion but you had these two unbelievable seasons in SEC football that have held up really well over the course of time that I don't think there's a bad answer necessarily to this debate and to this this question but it's one that I think made people just take a step back and go these two guys are special, and they will be—they're—they're they're legends in our sport, and that's what they—that's what they have become known as, even you know, 14 years later.
1: Yeah. So I don't—I don't have a problem as much with the Tebow one because we have never seen that before. 50 touchdowns—you know—he he, almost—he was one touchdown shy of having 30 and 20, which is just—you know—obviously was done later by Cam Newton, and uh, I believe it was one more too. Was it Lamar Jackson?
0: I think Lamar joined that club as well. I think.
1: So, so. I don't have a problem with with Tebow. Winning the Heisman because of the just the sheer numbers he put up, and like him having over three thousand yards passing and completing like sixty six percent of his passes, and and like him being a really good, a really good quarterback that year, I, I will say he was seventy percent of their overall offense, right? And you talk about those games in November, the one frustration I would have is he was able to really pour it on late, and like that South Carolina game, it I guess felt like it's to weak me, competition too. That's yeah, that's the other thing. None of them ranked. Like it, it made me feel like. Watching the South Carolina game, it, it just seemed like, and that's that is, in my opinion, that's the day that entire like that entire Heisman was won, and for a lot of reasons. So, but like the fact that he put he had seven touchdowns, so he had five rushing touchdowns. None of them were more than five yards out. Okay, like his twenty-two rushing yard, uh, touchdowns he had at the time of voting, sixteen of them were five yards or less. Right, so it was just I, it felt it felt like they were trying to score and score and score and score. To get him a Heisman, to like salvage something from the season, because you come in with all this preseason hype and then you lose three games. It that's what it seemed like to me.
0: Tebow in those last four games, when Florida wins four games in a row to end the year, kind of salvaged the five and three start that they had against unranked teams. As as I mentioned, Tebow had twenty one total touchdowns and fourteen hundred sixty yards from scrimmage. I mean, just absurd. Like, average that out over over a, a, the course of a 13 or even a 14 game season, and we're talking about just a truly legendary season. Obviously, competition yeah. has to be factored into that, but McFadden still ends up having this incredible closing note that he didn't get the year before. The year before, we mentioned with Troy Smith, you know, his final two regular season games that he had before the Heisman, in between that stretch of the game of the century and the Heisman voting. McFadden's team, you know, Arkansas lost both of those games. And so he was penalized against okay, top, okay, top
1: 10 teams. Exactly. And, and you know who else lost too? It was Brady Quinn from Notre Dame. They, they lost to Southern Cal. So it's like they get to, they're in the clubhouse early. They get to just sit there and chill for like the next two weeks. And oh, by the way, Darren McFadden has to go play uh, two teams that were ranked in the top six in the country in scoring defense and total defense LSU and Florida. In
0: 2007, it's a totally different story because McFadden has what, what I think a lot of people would consider the best moment of his career this game in death valley awesome at number one lsu 240 yards from scrimmage four touchdowns one of which came passing out of the wild hog i mean just an incredible incredible performance and we're going to dig into this a little bit more later with some stuff that archie manning said but has this game in this great closing argument where it felt like the the award was tebow's before and then all of a sudden after people are like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute we need to be looking at this closer because what this kid just did in the variety of ways that he beat number one LSU, something that Tebow didn't do that year. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And it was the type of upset that kind of made you think this kid is not an everyday college running back and everybody considering everybody that thinks he's just another run of the mill guy is, you know, overlooking his skills and what he really brings to the table.
1: It's also really the fact that, uh, they never had a quarterback complete over 14 passes.
0: <laughs> Casey Dick, man. The
1: 2006 Casey season, Dick. their 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 quarterbacks Ugh. averaged 11 completions a game. It was the Ugh. eighth worst, or was, yeah, the eighth worst in the entire country. So he's kind of doing it all on his own. But this was this was almost like the exact opposite of what happened. Like where where Troy Smith won in 2006 in September. This is where I feel like Jeremy McFadden lost it, and that and because this is gonna blow your mind. And I'm looking at this right now, okay. How many games out of, the, out of the 12 games in the regular season for Arkansas with a Heisman frontrunner, they were ranked to start the season, how many games do you think they had on TV? Oh. In the SEC. Keep in mind, the SEC has seven teams that are ranked in the top 25 for five straight weeks out of the season that year.
0: This is seven years before the SEC network became a thing, so I'm going to guess five games on national TV. So they
1: did not have one, two, three, four, five six of their games weren't televised that season. Wow. Think about that. And, and, and also, three of the last six weren't televised.
0: McFadden at the time should have been known by everybody. We'll get to it in a little bit about why he might not have been known by as many uh, that, that oh should have gosh. known who he was. The way that this argument has aged, though, I think... If you compare McFadden to other Heisman Trophy winners in the 21st century, it's, it stacks up really, really well. So yards from scrimmage and touchdowns at the time of Heisman voting. Reggie Bush, 2041 rush, or yards from scrimmage, 17 touchdowns. Mark Ingram, 1864 yards from scrimmage, 18 touchdowns. Derrick Henry, 2083 yards from scrimmage and 23 touchdowns. McFadden, 2,012 yards from scrimmage and 20 touchdowns. If you just average out Henry, Ingram, and Bush, which those were the three running backs who won the Heisman in the 21st century, that's an average of 1,996 with 19.33 touchdowns. Basically, right, exactly what McFadden is. It feels like McFadden should be part of that group, and it's weird to think that he didn't win the Heisman with that group.
1: So, in the exact same way, the reason why I don't think he won the high, the, the one reason I could, I guess, understand why he didn't win the Heisman the year before is because 1,588 rushing yards is still a good season. 5.9 yards per carry. But not as that, good as what
0: he did the following year, yeah.
1: And well, that also would have been the lowest of any running back since... Uh, shoot, when was it? In, like, in the last 20 years. It would, it would have been the third lowest yard total of any running back to finish in the top five of voting in the Heisman Trophy in the last 20 years or the last 10 Gosh. years. So, it, cause it's one of those things where the committee, you know how they are. It's, it's always like, you have, to, you have to wow us. You have to like, you know, we, we've seen this before. And so like when you, when you have somebody that is the clear cut front runner, hasn't anything to lose the game or to lose the, uh, what do you call it? To lose the actual Heisman. What are you going to do to like to take it from him? And he loses the last two games of the year against LSU in Florida, like we've talked about. And then he also has what was it? He has he has 15 touchdowns, but he just has another running back that's getting over 1000 yards with him, which is somehow used against him.
0: Yes, the Felix Jones stuff was was part of that discussion. The um, the fact that he became the first player to finish number 2 in the Heisman voting in consecutive years since 19 I think it was 1949, it was basically the first right. time in 60 years that it happened just spoke to the the unprecedented nature of that accomplishment, and McFadden had this quote on a Bo mattingly's show last year, and uh, he's he said, "My sophomore year, I can understand. I came onto the scene late, and I guess they didn't want to give it to sophomores at the time." When my junior year came around, this isn't to take anything away from what Tebow did because he had a heck of a year and did a great job. He definitely deserved it. But I felt like I should have won the Heisman that year also. So McFadden is also of the belief that, yeah, he probably should have had two Heismans.
1: See, I just I just thought that with Tebow doing – what Tebow did was unprecedented. I mean, exactly. having 50 touchdowns, like – so I get it that season. And, and what, what I meant to say earlier was it's the opposite of Troy Smith because their ranks going into the season, all of a sudden they – they start and they're down, they're one and two. I think they they were two and two in their first four games, and they dropped out of the uh, the top twenty five after week two, and they didn't return until the final week of the season after they beat LSU. So, like you're talking about seven teams in the same conference are ranked in the top twenty five for five straight weeks in in like the thick of October and November, and Arkansas is not. So I get why maybe he was kind of like lost in the mix that year because he comes out of the gates and goes like five straight games, like 120 something yards. And then, you know, he's, he's doing things to teams that like no one else is doing. You look at like the 2006 season, especially USC, Auburn, Florida, LSU. Those are all teams that, that allowed, I think less than, less than eight touchdowns on the season. And, and a third of them were to Arkansas and Darren McFadden. So the following year when they're just kind of off the radar, they're not playing any games and you look at the other side and it's not fair to say it, but you know, Florida is, they had five games on CBS at 3.30 national kickoff, they had uh, or national televised, they had eight of the 12 weeks of the season they, they were in the top 10, even though they had three losses.
0: Let's dig into this more about what people were saying at the time. Let's start in 2006 because that created one of the all-time cold take, bad sound bites that you swear by. And I, I, I went looking for this quote, and I wanted to find it so badly. I could not wait for the idea of sharing this quote with you But I could not ultimately find it just because I don't think the ESPN archives necessarily go back to all this. This is pre-Twitter era, all that stuff. If it was on Twitter, it definitely would have been – somebody would have documented it in some way, shape, or form. But Marler, tell us what Mr. Tony Kornheiser said in 2006 about Darren McFadden.
1: So I'll never forget how just like over-the-top this outburst I had about – like I knew what I was watching with Darren McFadden. And if you're going to give the Heisman in one of those seasons – even though his numbers aren't that great, and like I just said, they don't really match up well, they're the third fewest rushing yards, whatever, of a of top five finalists in, like for a running back in the Heisman, Troy Smith did nothing to Wow US. He just did nothing to Wow Us. Darren McFadden threw for touchdowns. He threw for three touchdowns. He actually actually had a better completion percentage than Tebow against LSU both years. God. But the year before, when it's small sample size, but yeah. And if you if you, yeah, that's true. If you look at like you know, if you didn't like any deep dives trying to find like what people were talking about then or, or talking about like the projections midway through the season of what who was going to win the Heisman at the end of the year. You almost never hear anything about Darren McFadden, especially in 2006. And I remember watching PT, or yeah, around the horn. No, PTI.
0: PTI. There you PTI. go.
1: And it was just like a random Friday. and It was right before the Heisman. And I was just a staunch believer that Darren McFadden should have won the Heisman or at least gotten more attention. You know, he deserved to have at least more attention about it. And Mike Wilbon, as they're signing off, goes to corner. he's like, who you got in the Heisman this weekend, McFadden or Troy Smith? And he goes, oh, I don't even know who McFadden is. I don't even know who McFadden is. Give us a Brady Quinn. And that was it. And he just waved his Canadian flag and signs off. I don't even know who McFadden is. And, and like, I, I, I don't think that was an exaggeration. I think that's just how people were because he wasn't a blue blood program. They were unranked for half the season. And then they come in. And no one's really watching these
0: games. What a take! Can you imagine getting on national television in this day and age and actually saying that? No.
1: By the oh. way, also the, the the fourth time Game Day went to an Ohio State game was the Michigan game, <laughs> and the, they so they actually went to one Arkansas game that year, which I feel like is a big deal to get like to gain hype, like going into November, especially for the Heisman. They went to the Tennessee Arkansas game. There was two top fifteen teams. Uh, Tennessee was ranked, I think, thirteenth, and Arkansas beats them like thirty one to fourteen. Even that game, two top 15 teams, college game days there, was on ESPN2. Mm.
0: Mm. That's tough. That's tough. I already told you earlier what Ohio State players and what Jim Trussell was saying, what they were saying about Troy Smith and how you know it, they praise his leadership. This is, this is a team award. This is a guy who just kind of gets it. We're not where we are without him. All of that. You know what McFadden actually said? McFadden before the Heisman, this is tough. This is tough to look back on for him. And I don't think that this made any sort of difference because it was so lopsided in 2006. But I found a Tampa Bay Times story that it quoted McFadden right before the Heisman. And McFadden says, Troy is a great player, so I feel like he deserves it. I'm going to cheer for him. And he also says in the story about how he was just kind of surprised to be there after he came on late. He basically just sounded happy to be there, and he's like, I have no chance of winning this award, and I am just here because this is some great honor.
1: Sportsmanship is fun.
0: There wasn't even any sort of internal, like, hey, this is I'm banging the drum. It wasn't like a year later when, after that LSU game, Houston Nutt has this great rant about why McFad needs to be winning the Heisman. There was not that feeling in 2006, and I'm not sure if that played a part in it and what was being said about McFadden, but when even McFadden himself has that humble of an answer in that moment, that kind of shed some light on how everybody was going into this thing.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, it's still surprising to me that I I feel like we were just like almost like brainwashed by the media. Like we were told that this team was elite. We were told Michigan was an elite team. Like I, I, I don't Why would we not believe that? They're ranked number two in the country. They beat the number two team in the country. It's Michigan. But, like, this whole season played out, and, you know, probably the best example out of it, yeah, it's Michigan. Probably the best example out of all of it is this whole season played out for Ohio State, like, like the the Florida State-Bama game from 2017. One versus three to start the year, and, and, you know, like, everyone's hyped about it. So you look at these, they played four teams that were ranked at the time. By the end of the season, only two of those teams were ranked, and it was 24th and, I think, like, uh, 8th. Where's, so it was
0: Texas eighth. Hold te- on. Did Texas finish that high? Because they no, had the-
1: they finished thirteenth. They were out there, so they actually had th- right. um they had two teams that finished in the in the top twenty five, and it was not Penn State. That was the yeah. other one. So they they then play. You look at Arkansas schedule. Arkansas plays five ranked teams, right? Four are in the top ten. Those four teams end the season in the top ten, and three of them end in the top four.
0: A they bit played more four,
1: they, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it's just crazy to me that like it, that no one was bringing this up. Like the, the level of competition he was facing and what he was doing against that was, you know, like to be penalized against a Florida defense that had given up, I think it was like eight eight rushing touchdowns on the season, and and one of those came to them. An LSU team that had the, uh, like I'm trying to think, they did give up seven total um, rushing touchdowns after the game. So they given up four rushing touchdowns on the season. They gave up 297 yards and three touchdowns to McFadden.
0: Nobody does that.
1: Why it's are we? Obviously. Yeah, why are we Nobody. not paying attention to that?
0: In 2007, the the discussion about McFadden it frustrated me. It frustrated me maybe even more so than 2006. And here's why: everybody kept saying the four losses thing really hurt him. When CBS crew they were previewing the LSU game, so this is 2007 regular season finale. And before this game, Archie Manning goes on CBS and he waves his Heisman ballot. And he says, you know, better better be paying attention to the Heisman today. And he says, you know, but he's got the four losses. That's going to go against him. He made no mention of the fact that Arkansas had the number 55 defense in the country. He made no mention of the fact that Arkansas had the number one hundred twelve passing offense in the country with Casey Dick. And then all McFadden did was to. Horse LSU in a way that LSU fans, if we ask our guys Mickey Sheremy, Sean Larkin, Nick Halby, if we ask them to this day about Darren McFadden and what he did in 2007, they'll they'll probably have horror stories of that because it was unbelievable. There was this great quote too at the end where it just felt like Arkansas had just taken LSU's soul. And Vern at the end of the broadcast says at at, at the end of the game he says the dream dies for LSU, which is an all time great quote. yeah yeah, of course they they end up winning the national championship with two losses but you know then archie manning also points out oh by the way felix jones also had a thousand yards and that should be why would they
1: okay so here's the deal and i'm not trying to be rude to florida fans let's call a spade a spade though florida finished the sixth best team in the sec that year they finished behind georgia they finished behind tennessee in the east they finished behind lsu auburn and Tebow,
0: uh, no, Bow had three losses. <laughs> that's that's the, the and they mad were all two really
1: good teams. Like, yes, you, you lose at LSU, who wins the national championship. You lose to a Georgia team that I still say was the best team at the end of that season. And then who was the last one to?
0: The last one that Florida was lost to Auburn to.
1: for the second year in a row. Right, right. I I just I, I get it, but it's like some teams are given the benefit of the doubt, and some teams aren't. And and I I guess like you know maybe I should be cer- starting to be like more cognizant of when people say that about Bama <laughs> because when you when you have a team that gives. They never dropped. They, they're in the top 10 for eight of the 12 or eight of the 12 weeks of the season. For, for what you like, they, they finished the season right to head Auburn. like you, you lost to Auburn.
0: It was winning the national championship the year before that definitely played a part in this belief that Florida was going to figure it out. And because Tebow was doing what he was doing, that's what people knew. and, as often comes with lazy voting is, Hey, who's recognizable on that team? I mean, how do you feel about the quarterback situation? It does sort of shape perception. I'm not saying that that's, that that's fair, but that, that unfortunately the way that it played out that year looked like reality.
1: So just think about this, if you will, like if, if you're like, especially with today's, like the way we watch and consume ball now. Okay. Darren McFadden, this is his season At, after the first two losses I told you about, right? They, they, they you go 1-2 to start the year. After those two losses, so they, they have North Texas, not on TV. Chattanooga, not on TV. They play number 25, Auburn. They lose 7-9. That's on ESPN. Ole Miss, FIU, not on TV. They play two ranked opponents. South Carolina, Tennessee, on ESPN2 and a twelve thirty kick on, t- on Lincoln Financial. Next game in Mississippi State, not on TV. You have literally five of your next eight games after you start one and two aren't even televised. How is it, how is Mississippi State not televised? And I the the biggest difference between these two is, but I, I said earlier like the, the Heisman 2007 was won and lost on on November 10th in two, or 2007 when that was the day where one Ohio State was who was undefeated ranked number one in the country they lost to Illinois, right?
0: Legendary so, game she, in, in in the state of Illinois. I remember that very very well.
1: So, it, also, they were the only team that played within, like, single digits the year before, which is kind of crazy. Fun fact. For whatever it, reason, they've
0: always played them well. Yeah, it makes no sense.
1: So, basically, you have that happen, but you have, you have these two are pretty much the, the front runners for the Heisman, McFadden and Tebow, right? The ga- the day starts, McFadden is playing a ranked opponent. They're playing at Tennessee. It's a 12-30 kick. So, he, this happened three times, like, this season. He He had three games where he just didn't score. Just didn't score at all. So, yeah, he had more yards and all that kind of stuff. But there were some times where he just he just didn't show up. This is one of those games. He doesn't score a touchdown. He, I think he's held to, like, 115 yards. Like, they, they they get just destroyed by Tennessee. That night game is then the Florida-South Carolina game, where Tebow has mm. seven total touchdowns. And is scoring, like, it, like the, like, I think, like they scored one with, like, a minute 15 to go. They went, like, 51 to 31. So, that I feel like that's when everything changed. And it was like, man, like... You, you go from, we have two guys here, one that we never get to watch. He has zero touchdowns. We get to watch him in a, a, Jeff, a Jefferson pilot game. And then you get the other guy, Tebow, who's on national television again and has a, it has a team that, you know, like Seth was was ranked in the top five just a month before that.
0: Why Steve Spurrier handed Tim Tebow the Heisman, my column. Um, I'm sure that was yeah. maybe said by a couple people. Felix Jones, that whole dynamic was interesting because – in some ways, I saw it being held against him. I saw that being held against McFadden, which I tried to tried to look so past weird. because two years earlier, we had Reggie Bush and Lendell White. Lendell White's numbers that year, oh my God. I didn't realize how good they were. Guy had 20, I think he had 26 touchdowns that year. Did he really? And he had like 1,500 yards, uh, 1,500 rushing yards. Like he was an incredible player. And some believe that because Felix Jones was... You know, on some days, looked at bit as capable as Mac. Like, it's one of those things that you're just like, well, I guess if there's multiple guys in that backfield who are doing it, why would we just give the Heisman to, to one guy? And it right. sort of took away. And it was a different take because we were still, I think, in that era of trying to understand, you know, um, having duos in the backfield, like dual yeah. threat running back systems. And it was still relatively fresh. And I think that was one of those cases where we're like, well, just look at McFadden by himself. Like, just look at what he's doing. There were people, and Bleacher Report's co-founder wrote this column that was just, oh my goodness, it, it had me all sorts of fired up. And I don't even, you know, I'll get to this later, but, like, I don't even think that the McFadden versus Tebow thing was was that, like, crazy out of control. But he kept pointing, this, this column in Bleacher Report, kept pointing to... You know, Arkansas didn't win enough. Nine of the last 10 Heisman winners at least played for a conference championship. You know, Arkansas wasn't ranked at the time, you know, so they shouldn't necessarily be getting this love, blah, 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 whatever. But then he argued that McFadden's impact on the team was limited. Keep in mind, Darren McFadden, at the time of the Heisman voting in 2007, had 351 total touches. Imagine saying that guy was limited in that offense. That is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I'm just mad all over again. I, I mean, oh, like, it just it, like because there's so many different things like that that are that were just missed, and I think, you know, like you look, this this I think maybe maybe this was like the last truly old school Heisman voting when it when you look at it and from a standpoint of like this like, is a great point, yeah. The '60s and '70s and like in like '80s even like you had these teams where not really the '80s because that shifted. Did you know that Ty Detmer threw 27 interceptions? How the hell well, did look, he win the Heisman?
0: Look at quarterbacks' numbers pre nineteen ninety, and your, your jaw will hit the floor. Terry Bradshaw, go search his college stats right now, and you will never think of Terry Bradshaw the same way again. Well, I it's
1: like so. Lee Corso last, last year or like last season was like Roger Staubach, the best quarterback I've ever seen. It was like he won the Heisman, had thirteen hundred yards passing. But I mean, so back then you didn't have a lot of TV broadcasting. You didn't know who was great. Like you, you were told from the paper, from, like, radio, from, like, wherever you got your news from, which was a lot of, like, like pretty centralized, I feel like, in, like, bigger cities. Not necessarily in the South, but, like, that's where you would see, like, if you're watching, if you have three games on a day, Notre Dame is one of them, USC is one of them, Ohio State, Michigan. There's a reason why programs like that have so many more Heismans than, than teams in the South. I'm not saying it's unfair or whatever, just, like, that's just the way it is. This was so surprising to me because it's like, hold on. They were, they, they were like, just because he had the Ohio State helmet on, right? Like, that, I feel like even Tebow, just because we already knew that we already thought Tebow was going to be great. He played a, a team that won the national championship the year before, and like, we've made excuses for him all year, like to be in the top 10. Dude, he, McFadden had 324 yards rushing against South Carolina. 324, you know how many touchdowns he had though? One. He completed a pass in five of his last six games that season. McFadden
0: he, could throw, he could actually throw pretty well.
1: I just I don't understand like like the 2006 season especially when you when you talk about how he has three touchdowns passing he has one receiving touchdown 15 or I'm sorry 14 rushing touchdowns at the time of the actual uh, voting and then also has a kick return for touchdowns like what else can he do
0: seriously yeah that's that's the amazing thing because we've seen a jack of all trades win the Heisman before and we've seen even you know a guy like Desmond Howard win the Heisman Trophy even though he wasn't necessarily as involved as a quarterback even Urban Meyer. And, and this was a, a story um, from ESPN, right? It was written after the Heisman, but this conversation that apparently happened with um, ESPN's Ivan Mazel, who was talking to Urban Meyer in the lobby before the Heisman said, do you think that the, the sophomore thing could, could hurt him? Do you think that that's going to hurt him? I just don't know. To that point in 2007, no sophomore had ever won the award. But that was still a legitimate thing just 13 years ago of being like, well, you know, yeah, he had the 50 touchdowns, but he's a sophomore, so I guess we probably shouldn't give it. to I him. mean, that's what? probably what one doing? of the
1: main reasons, or one of the other reasons that it limited. Dude, Adrian Peterson.
0: That's a great discussion. As I mean, well. he
1: had 1,900 yards rushing. Herschel Walker, like Herschel Walker, they gave him the Heisman after like two years after they actually showed up the first time. And yep. yep. so I mean, like this was like I don't know why this was the you know that way, but it definitely was a thing. It was definitely a very, very prevalent thing.
0: The worst take that you can have about this debate in 2006... You think that Troy Smith is a good quarterback? <laughs> Troy Smith was a good college quarterback. He was a good college quarterback. We'll give that to him. Troy Smith deserved it for what he did against Michigan. It's the lazy take that I fear so, so much because we don't value the entire body of work and the fact that, like I said, McFadden played in these two games after... Troy Smith had this this game of the century performance sort of wiped it out. I was like, "Well, what if McFadden had just like had these incredible two games? And all of a sudden, we look at his his Dude. season long resume in an entirely different way." That's that's the frustrating thing for me. It's it's almost like I've got an analogy here that's a little bit longer. So if if you got a thought that you want to jump in on, go went ahead. went up against
1: I'm gonna, like the the like go the, the is in the barn for Ohio State. Again, let me, let me point out just one more time. He has his first three hundred passing yard, first three hundred yard passing game of the season. Half of his games, he threw for less than two hundred yards. Okay, so he's done for the season. But we're so just entrenched in the fact that we think Michigan's good, even though they've only played one ranked team the entire year. They don't even drop; they're still at number two. Meanwhile, McFadden has to go play LSU, right? Who ends up winning the national championship that season? I'm sorry, no, this is 2006. So Florida wins the national mm-hmm. championship that season, right. and LSU, which both. Had two top six defenses in scoring and total defense. And I'll get this, Connor. They also allowed three total teams to rush for over 100 yards against them. Three. And guess who also did? Not yeah. not McFadden, but Arkansas did.
0: <laughs> so there's also, like, Troy Smith having the one other game he had against the top 20 defense before the Michigan game was against Penn State. And he was... Awful that day. I mean, 12 of 22 passing, 115 yards, touchdown, two interceptions, three rushes for 18 yards. Oh, by the way, Ohio State had two pick sixes in the fourth quarter to put that game away, and Antonio Pittman had 124 yards and a touchdown. Nobody really makes mention, mention of that. Meanwhile, McFadden against top 20 defenses uh, USC, uh, Auburn, LSU, Florida. He was happy for USC. Right. Okay, so Hurt was, against USC, he had the toe injury you know, at right. the nightclub, all that stuff that happened at the beginning of the year. It makes but, more
1: sense to take that one out, I feel like.
0: Yeah, but he still, even with that in there, averaged 126 yards from scrimmage in those four games. Those are the four toughest games yeah. in terms of defenses that he was going to face. This is what this felt like to me. If you were of the opinion that Troy Smith deserved it for what he did against Michigan— it's almost, and I've been listening to some true, some true crime podcasts. So maybe that's kind of why I'm thinking the Australian this. guy. No, oh no, I haven't gotten into that one. Crime Junkies is the one that I, okay. I, and I like Serial too, but season one definitely way more than season two. That's a different discussion for a different time. This is like when the cops think they had the cops walk into a, a murder investigation, and it's a woman is murdered, and there's a has a been, been a murder. there has been a murder. There's a divorced husband and he is, you know, apparently the, the breakup didn't go too well. He's still frustrated about it. They find, they find the woman there dead and the police are like, well, where are we going to go? This is our, our default, our default answer. They're like, yeah, exactly. They find out that the divorced the divorced husband doesn't have any sort of alibi he is awkward when they interrogate him. He's, he's very, like, kind of, like, on edge, not really knowing what to do. And they, the police, make the decision, all right, we've got our guy. We've got the guy that's going to take, the, that is going to put this investigation to bed. They don't have a murder weapon for him. They don't have any sort of DNA at the scene. So and they just decide, I totally s- stick with me on this. And they just decide, you know what? If we open up this investigation and have to start from scratch, that's going to yeah. be really, really difficult.
1: Sprinkle some crack on him.
0: <laughs> and I feel like that's how the Heisman—that's how the Heisman voters treated Troy Smith. Troy Smith was their default, easy, open and shut case to look at. Yeah. But they didn't look at it. Just close trap
1: much. it, Rodriguez. It's Case closed.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Darren McFadden was actually the person who snuck into the woman's house and killed. No, I'm, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> but that's—that's mean... that's what it felt like when you looked at this, and it was just like laziness at a level that makes you frustrated to look at from the outside even as like somebody like myself no. who has no rooting interest in this whatsoever
1: well it, it, again like it has to make you kind of cognizant of like where you're you know how we consume stuff how we like like try to understand and process things and how we analyze them for ourselves because i think it's a little bit easier now because we have so much content we have we're, we're able to see every single game i mean like Jeez, you watch Arkansas-Portland State right now on demand if you want to. I don't know why you would, but you could. Different so, times, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, like to look back then and, and kind of see, like, you know, like uh, well, the third party of this, it's not even being like, mentioned, but I think it's also a a pretty big deal just in terms of, like, the example I laid out earlier of, like, being on TV, and being at the forefront of people. Like, Like, the fact, like, think about this. Arkansas played USC that year, the first game of the season.
0: Didn't go well.
1: No, it did not go well. Um, I think there's like a 7:45, like ESPN or ESPN two game, right? So Notre Dame, who Notre Dame always gets every possible break. Imagine if they have the the biggest national fan base. I get it. So eleven of their twelve games overall were nationally televised. Eleven of twelve, and the nine NBC or seven contract, of them, yeah. seven over on NBC, and you know, like and you know that year especially they're playing teams like Stanford, UCLA, which which are down, but also like their national brands. So. They also get on CBS uh, in the thick of October, by the way, like right in the middle of SEC season, because they played like they played at Navy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's that's eight. They also had three games on ABC, and all three of them, Connor, were in primetime. They played an unranked Georgia Tech team. They played a Michigan State team that was unranked, and then someone else. I think it was Michigan, and it's just like those kind of brands that get the benefit of the doubt. In like I guess like they're kind of prioritized, and I think that they're also kind of made out to be like. The players there are better. Like, Darren McFadden was not as important. And and what an incredible season that, like, a lot of people missed out on because of, like, just being caught up in, like, well, you know, Notre Dame's got, got UCLA this weekend.
0: So it was easier, I think, and this is the worst take that you can have about the 2007 race. It was easier for voters to look at Arkansas with the four losses and scoreboard watch a little bit Mm -hmm. and just say, you know what? He's got those four losses. There's got to be some sort of a cutoff point. Apparently the cutoff point is just three losses because Tebow obviously had three losses and and one, but the, the, the take of his 2007 losses made him undeserving of the Heisman is ridiculous when obviously he and Tebow were separated by one game and then arkansas actually you know beat lsu as opposed to florida losing by lsu in terms of common opponents they had 7 la- that year and florida was plus 1 on arkansas i don't take that for what it is but like we've seen running backs on non national championship teams win the heisman ricky williams won the heisman with Wait, that 8 and 3 texas yeah with that 8 and 3 texas team my my point being it's also like, a it's national not, brand though yeah yeah it's not a, it's not something that necessarily can like if you lose x amount of games as a running back you you're just you can't win the award. You know, we've also seen I, even I Barry Sanders. Well, Barry Sanders, Ron Dane both had multiple losses. You know, national championship right. was gone and they still were able to win the award. So, what you're saying then is. But they also. Okay, two, yeah,
1: go ahead.
0: If you, if you have four losses as a running back, then why did. Like, just don't even have anybody vote for you? you that's what I'm saying gone. at all.
1: What I'm saying is, like, the, the bar they set for running backs is totally different than they set for quarterbacks. And, Agreed. And, like, it, you know. Back in the day, for whatever reason, like running backs actually they seem to be the ones that won the Heisman way more than quarterbacks, probably because their numbers back then, when they ran the ball more, were a little bit, you know, a little bit more skewed or, or you know, I guess
0: Yeah, it's a much different game back yeah. then. Yeah, for sure.
1: So you look at you look at like like I wrote I wrote down the actual this is what the actual Heisman Heisman winners, uh Heisman running back winners since Barry Sanders, these are their numbers uh in comparison to Darren McFadden's that year. Barry Sanders had 2,628 rushing yards, which is just absolutely stupid. I don't know how yep. that's possible. Absolutely 30, deserved it. 37 touchdowns. Rashawn Salam, okay, from Colorado. So that's not a brand. That's not like, a, like a, a huge brand name. They had he had over 2,000 yards rushing and 24 touchdowns. Eddie George from Ohio State, obviously a huge brand. 1,927 yards, 24 touchdowns. Ricky Williams, 2,124 yards, 27 touchdowns. Ron Dane, 2,034 yards, 20 touchdowns. You look at the other people that like. You know, look at somebody like Ladanian Tomlinson, who had over 2,100 yards. Uh, Damian Anderson from from Air, uh, Northwestern. Those are both guys that had over 2,000 yards and over 20, 20 touchdowns and finished fourth or fifth. So I, I do think that if you are penalized. You have to either do something just so above and beyond surprising and that, that wows the, the committee, or you're not going to get anything. Like, if you, you're not going to win it as a, as a like, It's It's crazy to think that, like, what he did, and he scored in four different ways, where he was able to like receiving touchdowns, passing touchdowns, kick returns, all that. You're telling me that that wasn't as impressive as somebody throwing for 2,500 yards and and completing 66% of his passes. Why?
0: Yeah, I I don't know. And, and in those four losses, by the way, in case you were wondering, McFadden averaged 144 yards from scrimmage. Meanwhile, Arkansas's passing attack, that woeful passing attack. Averaged 148.5 passing yards, 5.7 yards per attempt. It might like you can't pin that on McFadden. It's just the, it's the nature of the position, though, that we tend to think, okay, if you're not going to be as control as a quarterback is, then you need to do things that really blow us away, and that's that became kind of the the default. Uh, unfortunately, so. All right, we, we know where you stand on, on both of these. So yeah. are you okay with with kind of – we'll move past this and we'll kind of dig into some other stuff. We'll have a chance to revisit the, no. the argument when we get Tebow to – Tebow should have won the, the
1: year Collins. he won, and McFadden
0: should have won in 2006. Exactly. So the thing that I didn't know slash forgot about until researching this, the sophomore is not winning the Heisman thing. I I kind of forgot how recent that was. And I remember that, you know, you see the headline, Tebow becomes first sophomore ever to win the Heisman Trophy. But it just doesn't feel like that long ago. It just doesn't. It feels like this was something that was decided before my lifetime. I feel like when I look back at people like Herschel or something like that, I'm like, yeah, well... That makes sense. Then you know the way that games are broadcast, we yeah, have to really know about a player. Yeah, I mean, well, we, we're just different in the way that we consume the sport. People have to know about somebody like Herschel coming into a year, as opposed to him just being like some local, big time, you know, huge yeah. recruit. It's it's different when you have you know two or three years and you've seen all the preseason magazines and stuff like that. So that's that's one thing that I just sort of forgot about that even in two thousand seven, Urban Myers at the Heisman lobby saying, Yeah. I, you you think the sophomore thing is going to prevent him from winning this? What? Like, what?
1: The sophomore lost the year before. Yeah, yeah, and, and, it, then it, and you know, seven
0: like changes everything.
1: The part that would kind of make me kind of I don't want to say sick to my stomach. That seems like a little bit of like a exaggeration, but like you put it in the notes here. I mean, how many how many sophomores have won since then?
0: Six of thirteen.
1: Which is like God, I got a feel for somebody like Darren McFadden who's like he could have been the first guy to do it, right? And and was deserving of that, but like. It is this long line. Adrian Peterson again. We talked about Herschel. There's, there's been several, several, like just countless players. Mike Vick, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, another and, good one.
1: And, and, for whatever reason, we just like, no, no, no hold on. Like, oh, it's a senior quarterback on the number one team. Like, we're gonna go with that. And then next year it was like, you say three losses.
0: Yeah. How many touchdowns did he have? Like, w- w- then we nitpick even more. That's the frustrating yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Also,
1: not, not brought up on this is the uh, somebody brought this up on. I think Matthew Sager brought this up on the 2006 season. Or maybe it's 2007. The running back from Boise State, Ian Johnson. Yeah, he had like Statue 27 touchdowns to and over 2,000 yards rushing. Um, but not against great competition, but there's a there's a couple of guys that year, especially uh, who was the kid from Kel- was it Kelvin Smith, Kevin Smith from uh, UCF? Uh, UCF,
0: UCF, Kevin Smith. Yeah, uh, that, is he still Detroit icing Lions.
1: himself? Because they had like 415 carries and 20 how many yards?
0: Yeah, they let him work. Yeah, that was. It's amazing to look back at some of those some of those workloads too. It's yeah. like, man, what if what if McFadden was just playing in a backfield by himself? Like I would have had like four hundred and ninety yeah. <laughs> touches in the regular season and oh my god! Did
1: you um by the way, just real quick, when we were going through this, when you were scrolling through and you've already made mention of it, but I, I like was so taken aback when I saw these numbers.
0: Eric Crouch <laughs> the numbers he had oh in two
1: thousand one. What were we thinking as a country to allow that to happen?
0: I was gonna say it last week, um, that Eric Crouch was should be part of the running backs to win the Heisman Trophy. Because he wasn't yeah. a quarterback. That's what we know. He definitely wasn't a quarterback. Um, speaking of guys who were you know, versatile and would be willing to play different positions, McFadden and his use in the Wild Hog, I kind of forgot that that was Gus's baby. This is going to sound first weird. Season. Yeah, first season. He goes from this legendary Arkansas high school coach to being the offensive coordinator there. And that's like, He really takes pride in doing that. And that sort of took the sport by storm. Obviously, I remember the Wild Hog really, really well. But I kind of forgot that that was like, oh, this is Gus's coming out party. He's there. And he wasn't there in 2007. He left for Tulsa. But um, just an offense that, yes, looking back, a little bit gimmicky. It was kind of a fad and defenses eventually caught up to it. But I I still think in the right context, like with a guy who can actually, who's willing to throw like McFadden was, it's fun. It was really fun.
1: They had that that was a fun team to watch, in Those those two years because he they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of talent, like not just Felix Jones and McFadden, but like you know someone like Peyton Hillis, Damien Williams. I mean, they they signed the the a five star receiver, running back. I'm sorry, a receiver. I guess it was a fullback technically, and then quarterback that year um when they brought Gus on. It just that oh, man.
0: So by now, I think people kind of know where I where I stand on this. I made that pretty much clear. For the second week in a row, we actually agree on um, on where we stand on these debates. 2006. I was so worried. 2006 at the time, I, I really did. As a 16 year old kid who didn't, you know, dig into this stuff in the way that I do now, because I'm, I get paid to do it now. Um, I, I really thought Troy Smith was the unquestioned Heisman Trophy winner. And looking back, even in 2015, when I came on board to start a Big Ten site for our company, I was like, ugh. That was probably the wrong choice. We, we should have looked at this a little bit differently, but yeah, um, I think that. So 2006, that case is obvious. I've I've made that repeatedly. Yes, I, I think that a sophomore could have definitely won the Heisman that year. I think we fell in love with Troy Smith a little bit too much because of all the you factors did. that he had. Yeah, I, I, along with the ninety-one percent of the voters. That who, that is the that's the that. most
1: egregious part still to this
0: day. It really is. Like maybe if he had won fifty-one to forty-nine, you know, per, in terms of percentages, we're talking about this differently. But that well, wasn't you look the at
1: case. some of the other, like I looked through some of the other winners and like what their total percentage was, and it was, it was scary to me how much more talented these other people were, right? Than him, and it was like. What were we doing? <laughs>
0: 2007, I, I went back and forth a lot. I really, really did. There were there were points doing this research, and I spent all day Friday. I texted you, I think, at 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon. I was like, I just spent the last seven hours doing research for this because I wanted to make sure that I came up with an educated opinion on 2007. Yeah. I didn't just say, oh, but it's Tebow. We should automatically give it to him. I ultimately decided that it would it would pay me it really would but I would give this slight edge to Tebow and yeah. it has to do with the fifty touchdown thing unbelievably impressive yes maybe a little bit subconsciously whether this is fair or not is like can we imagine a world in which Tebow had never won the Heisman and then Arkansas fans would be like well I'll just give him the two thousand eight Heisman instead because he kind of got robbed <laughs> there but I I tend to that's think literally that, that what year. they did
1: to to McFadden
0: right exactly so. I think if you put McFadden's year with any other in the decade and he probably wins seven Heisman's or something like that. <laughs> the year that he had. I mean, seriously. Oh, Rinkle, okay. Just the year that he had in 2007 he got hailed you, <laughs> Yeah. Just transport him, compare it to Eric Crouch back in the day oh, or you know, whoever. But what this has prompted me to think about is a new wrinkle to add to the Heisman Trophy. Oh, now you might you might hate this. You might think that this is long overdue, but here's my idea. The Baseball Hall of Fame has the Golden Era Committee, and what it was essentially created to do back in 2010 was look at these players from 1947 and 1972 who weren't on the ballot anymore, weren't necessarily given a fair shot. Let's give us a chance to review their case for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Grateful that it happened because Ron Santo got into the Hall of Fame. I was there for his induction. I worked at the Hall of Fame that year. Great times. So in a different kind of way... What I would want to see is a decade Heisman. Now, hear me out on this. What a decade Heisman would consist of, at the end of every single decade. Community (laughs) service. At the end of every decade, we would have just the Heisman winners, not the Heisman voters. A very important distinction there. We would have the Heisman winners and look back at the 1990s, 2000s, then the 2010s, then the 2020s. We would look back on each individual decade, and here's what the criteria could be. You cannot vote for somebody who has already won the Heisman to win another Heisman trophy, obviously. Yeah. This is people, the people who would qualify for this, you had to have finished with, in the top two in the Heisman in a given year or if you finished in the top five twice. So that takes somebody like Deshaun Watson what into third. What about third?
1: Because that Watson, Well,
0: if you finish third just once... To me, that's not as impressive because if two, pe- if two people beat you in one given year, then usually that happens for reasons. He finished it's-
1: third of the next year.
0: Tebow, yeah, but Tebow won a Heisman already. That's so true. it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a different discussion. But it got me to thinking, if we could actually make this criteria and then have these ballots, and how exciting that would be, by the way, we would have one to look forward to, and we would vote on this. Or not we, but the Heisman voters, people who have already won the Heisman, would vote on this decade Heisman. At the end of every decade, and so for like this past decade now, yeah. we would be able to have this come out. We, in, like, <laughs> we would be able to have this come out in like June of this upcoming year, and it would be great. It'd be an hour special, That'd be cool. and it'd be so fun to watch. Think about this: if we could go back for the 2010s, these would be the guys who would be on the ballot. No, you no other names besides take him these Newtons ones: away. <laughs> Andrew Luck, Manti Te'o, AJ McCarron, Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey. Deshaun Watson, Bryce Love, Tua Tungvaloa, Jalen Hurts. That's your entire ballot right there for the 2010s.
1: You, like everything you said was like, it was. I was with you the whole setup. It was a way better setup than the thing about the murder. <laughs> um, and I, I, I liked the idea. And then I kept thinking, I was like, but it's only if they did this, it'd be only a matter of time until somebody got involved and was like, you know what? We need to give it to the guy that lost his leg or something like just like just like a kind of like a pity Heisman they would give out. And that's as what soon I would, As soon no. as I said that, or as soon as I th- said to myself, you said, think about these these names, Manti Te'o, and I I am not on board anymore. <laughs> so I honestly, I worry. But then he wouldn't get votes.
0: So- he wouldn't get votes then. He, he simply wouldn't get votes. And the tough thing would be, so you'd re, you're focusing entirely on their college careers. Yeah. It's not just necessarily one year. It can be. It can be the peak of where they got to in, yeah. their, in their careers. But it, it's not factoring in NFL success at all. It, it's not taking that into account. It's strictly what they did in college. So for the 2010s, I mean, I think it would ultimately, if we're looking at that, probably it would come down to McCaffrey and Watson. If I'm guessing,
1: uh, I think
0: Deshaun Watson probably wins. And here's the other thing. It also takes into account postseason. We just
1: last week that he didn't even
0: deserve to win. McCaffrey. No, not necessarily that he didn't. Right, that McCaffrey didn't deserve to win. But I think McCaffrey would have a lot of favor in this, something yeah. like this. Because what this would also allow us to do, it would allow us to say, Hey, look, Deshaun Watson in 2016, ear muff Muffet Marler. In that national championship against what we thought was an all-time great Bama defense they were. was incredible. And that was never factored into any Heisman vote whatsoever. Okay. So what this does is it allows us to have that context. Or go back to the 2000s. Vince Young, when we voted on him for the 2005 Heisman Trophy, he ultimately loses out to Reggie Bush. We didn't have the context of, oh, Vince Young is going to beat this all-time USC team in a national championship for the ages. If we go back and vote on this at the end of the decade, it takes that all into account.
1: Yeah, I get that. So where my issue would be is you bring up the Deshaun Watson thing. And th- this is honestly something we should have done a better job of when we did this. Like, everyone wants to immediately go to the 2016 season because of what he did. He, I didn't think he was that impressive in 2016 strictly because he threw, f- like, 13 or 14 interceptions.
0: I think he had 15 or something like that, yeah. So, it yeah,
1: it was 15 because it was one per game. The year before, in 2015, when it was, we talked about McCaffrey and, and um, Derrick Henry nonstop, do you know what his numbers were?
0: They were, I mean, they were ridiculous.
1: So his numbers that season, he had over a thousand yards rushing he had over 3000 yards. Maybe he's, it might've been 4,000. I don't know. Uh, I know he at least had 3000 yards passing and he had 47 touchdowns.
0: He was incredible.
1: And no one even talked about him.
0: No one talked about him because in 2015, this this became this Derek Henry versus Christian McCaffrey narrative, right. and we we fell in love with that. It was we talked about it last week of all the reasons of why that intrigued us so much, and Watson was kind of a, a little bit on the outside looking yeah. in. So what this what and what I would hope that we would be able to to decide with something like this is you know for the guys who are just kind of fell through the cracks, and it wouldn't necessarily allow them to you know to be. Excluded just because of the year that they won the Heisman in, or they lost the Heisman in. If you look at it for the 2000s, a real probably Young. probably even more interesting, in my opinion, where you have Josh Heupel, Drew Brees, Rex Grossman, Kendall, okay. Brad Banks. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, go ahead. All right, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Adrian Peterson, Vince Young, Brady Quinn, Darren McFadden, Colt McCoy, Toby Gerhart. Probably a three-horse race. It would have to be between Vince Young, Darren McFadden, and then Adrian Peterson. But who wouldn't want to watch? And you know, all the, the the debate that would go into that and the build-up because it would be once every ten years that we would vote on something like that. They would vote on something like this, and we would get to crown a new Heisman Trophy for what they did throughout, you know, throughout their, their the course of their career. career in college football. Dude,
1: I think I think that is a great idea. I really do. We got some. Josh Heidel had twenty touchdowns and fifteen interceptions.
0: <laughs> so Josh Heidel wouldn't get votes. We'd have we'd have historical that that perspective. Is Isn't that crazy?
1: That is nuts that man. You know guys, if you really if you really want to just have just uh I don't know, just a floating disbelief on everything you ever thought was real, go back and look at all the people that won the Heisman before and
0: then it's crazy realize
1: that you've been lied to your entire life. <laughs>
0: I think Peyton Manning probably wins in the '90s, probably. But oh
1: yeah, they've definitely given that to him.
0: Some people would debate Tommy Frazier. I'm not saying I'm one of those people, but I yeah, I think Tommy that Frazier should have gotten some more love. Of, he would have been part of that. He was runner up. Uh, what was he runner up in '95, 95 when they won yeah, the national so, championship? Yeah. Um, Marshall Falk probably would have also been. Part That's of that who that I would position. pick for the '90s. Yeah, um, but it's just something that that would you know make this a little bit more interesting and be a way to kind of honor these guys who like McFadden. Just ran into some really tough situations. And it's unfortunate do that doesn't
1: have the Heisman. Who do you think they would give the two thousand? Like they'd probably give it to Brady Quinn. Just uh, from <laughs> no, like from, no. from what we've learned from his career, they'd probably give it to somebody else.
0: No, I don't think I don't think Brady Quinn gets it. You know that
1: yeah, McFadden guess. won the SEC player of the year that year
0: over over Tebow? That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. I'm always interested to see like what what actually goes into the conference player of the year stuff or the the first team all conference. Sometimes right. like you'll have guys that get national awards that aren't that aren't even first team all conference. So
1: I'm trying to think. I think it was oh man, what year, uh, Troy Smith I think was the first team, but I want to say that the the second like in 2007. I don't feel like Tebow won it. Actually, no, Tebow definitely had to win it. Anyway, it was one of those. You're right. Like somebody was like second team All American, even though they won the Heisman. I was like, how does that? You sure? (laughs) Yeah. How'd you do that,
0: guys? The trophy usually kind of speaks for itself. That was fun. That was really fun. I'm glad we got the the new. My new idea out there, hopefully for for the Heisman committee to get on board with, put it into the bylaws, gave me some credit, little royalty check. I'll take whatever. That's fine.
1: This was so. This was fun to like dig into, just because I feel like it's one of those things that needs to be brought up, especially with Arkansas fans, because like Mm -hmm. you know you can't harp on it enough. Like he should have won the Heisman at least once, in my opinion. However,
0: however,
1: this was almost like counterproductive because like we want to debate stuff, and there's not really a debate here.
0: So let's find something that we can really dig into as like a me versus you type of debate because you're right. These first two debates, and I, and I wanted to look at these because I think these are debates historically, not necessarily debates between Connor and Martin. Right. So for the next one, that's what we'll do. We're going to find something that we're going to go Stephen A., Max Kellerman or Stephen A., Skip Bayless, however you want to remember it, and we'll we'll discuss it that way. And we'll just Perfect. go... Blow for blow. It's going to be awesome. Who's the GOAT? MJ versus LeBron. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, Join we'll us on Wednesday. Away.
1: We're going to talk about the Lakers and Cowboys.
0: Wednesday. We have It Just Meant More. Marler. What are we doing? We're doing 2015 Ole Miss and Auburn. Oh. You know, you know what? I'm excited, though. I'm excited because we haven't gotten to do this yet and I haven't since I've been a part of this job I haven't had a reason to look at this person more in depth that what's, that was a bad way to say that I'm excited to read and learn more about Swag Kelly let's just say that oh my god let's say that and if you're not then I mean I mean I,
1: I know enough about Swag Kelly
0: I, I, I'm very much looking forward to those rabbit holes one of the first days I started with this company I remember just hearing nonstop Swag Kelly Swag Kelly did you see the rap video that he put out Swag Kelly it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. It's going to be something. It'll be something. Hopefully everybody's enjoying these three podcasts a week. I know we certainly are. It is a bit more work, but it's work that we're, we are glad to do. And we are, we hope that you are consuming all of these. Hopefully you enjoyed our office character power rankings that we did the other day. We're going to have some great questions for Fourth and Wrong. Maybe Ooh, a, yeah. new, a new little twist at the beginning of Fourth and Wrong if I can talk you into it. We'll see. Casual Friday, man. Yeah, for Casual Friday, we're excited. going to hopefully have uh, have something in the beginning uh, a little bit different than what we did last week. But we've got a lot more content this week. So much more content this week. Ugh, I'm already tired. By the way, I th- I, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. Lou Holtz apparently was not on board with Darren McFadden winning 2007 Heisman. Neither was Mark May. And that's why Houston like- was so... <laughs> I meant to ask you about that earlier, and I'm just remembering that. Why now. was he that's not? So sad. Um, because, let's see... Late to the party on everything. He went to. Like, so, he was he coached at Arkansas. Uh, that's true. That's true. Lou Holtz have been. Mark May is the one that you're like. Okay, of course that guy was in touch. Okay, so okay. McFadden could could have won both Heisman's. Just ask any Arkansas. And he should have won at least one. He yeah. definitely should have won at least okay. one. All right. Mark May, Lou Holtz, Houston Nutt, McFadden, Russell. It might mean too much. Talk to you guys soon.
1: Right.